sustainable care team, led by Professor Sue Yendel at the University of Sheffield, is exploring how care arrangements currently in crisis in parts of the UK can be made sustainable and deliver wellbeing outcomes. We aim to support policy and practice actors and scholars to conceptualise sustainability in care as an issue of rights, values, ethics and justice, as well as of resource distribution. Our Care Matters series includes publications, podcasts and blogs from our team and others working towards sustainable care. and welcome to our Care Matters podcast with Dr. Kelly Hall. I'm Dr. Magdalena Lurins and I'm a researcher in the Sustainable Care Programme. My research interests include how migration, diversity and intersectionality affect experiences of care. Dr. Kelly Hall is a senior lecturer in social policy at the University of Birmingham. Kelly's research interests include aging, social care, migration and the third sector. Her research on international retirement migration focuses on the migration and return of vulnerable older British people within the EU and more recently the impact of Brexit. Over the last few years, she has undertaken a number of studies in collaboration with the British Consulate and Age Concern España to explore the lived experiences of older British people in Spain, including access to and experiences of care. Kelly, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me about your research. Thanks, Magda. It's, it's great to be here. Now, you are one of the researchers working within the Sustainable Care Research Programme. Can you tell me a little bit about the research you are doing within the Care In and Out of Place project and why this is an important topic to study? Yeah, of course. Um, so my research is on the retirement and migration of British people to Spain, focusing particularly on how they access and experience care and support as they they grow older in Spain. Um, As part of my research, I interviewed 34 older British people um, who were living in Spain. Um, And these are all people who had care needs. And so by that, I mean, they needed help with sort of activities of daily living. They had kind of considerable health problems. Some of them were using care and support services. Um, Some were caring for a family member or receiving care from a family member. And they were all um, older people with an average age of around uh, 78 years. So this is a really important topic because there are large numbers of older British people in Spain. So there's around 170,000 British pensioners living in Spain. Um, Although we do know that there's many more, particularly those who, for example, aren't state pension age yet, who maybe live in Spain but have not become legally residents or are not included in in the data. Um, and also those who move back and forth between Spain and the UK, the UK, so sort of split their time between both. Spain is still the most common retirement destination for um, British people, and who they, you know, British people are attracted to Spain particularly because you know of the warm climate. It is hot and sunny in Spain for most of the year, um, and this helps with you know health problems like arthritis. So people actually sometimes, on doctors' advice, move to Spain. Um, great reason to move to Spain as far as I'm concerned, I think. Also, it's cheaper to live in Spain um, compared to the UK. Um, and also there's a huge amount of sort of tourist infrastructure, which caters to sort of British people. Um, you know, even British supermarkets, British 
hairdressers, housing um, facilities that, that sort of cater to British needs. So that's not only for tourists, but also for people who want to live there. And this also means that English is widely spoken in Spain. So it, it makes moving there much easier if you, if you don't speak Spanish. The issue around care really comes from the fact that many British retirees have now lived in Spain for many years, or many decades in some cases. And these people are growing older, they have health problems, maybe a partner dies, um, and they're starting to need more care and additional support. And there's, there's a growing number of people in this situation. Some people decide to return to the UK as they age, if they have health problems or, or need care. But actually, my research, uh, the people I've interviewed sort of suggests that many people choose to stay in Spain. They can choose because they, they want to stay in Spain, or actually some people are forced to stay if they can't afford to return to the UK, or if, you know, they've lost contact with people in the UK. You know, maybe they've, they're not as close to their family, their friends um, are now all in Spain. But you remember that a lot of these older migrants have lived in Spain for many years, I and mean, in the average amount of time the, um, that my interviewees had lived in Spain was over 18 years. So a considerable amount of, of time and people make connections and actually therefore Spain becomes their home. Um, and there is a lot of research on why people move to Spain. So it's sort of international retirement uh, migration, generally about people's lifestyles when they're, when they're healthy, when they're active, even how they access health, so sort of medical services but there's very little on care. So we don't know much about how British people in Spain access care and support. And this includes you know, formal paid for services, um, as well as a more sort of informal unpaid care. And this is an issue often overlooked by policymakers. And so the idea of this research is to address this gap. Um, so I'm trying to answer questions like, you know, what care and support networks are available to older British people in Spain? How is care organised and experienced, particularly in comparison to the UK, are there any care gaps, which means that mean that older um, retired migrants are not getting the care that they need in Spain? Um, and also are older migrants, British migrants returning to the UK when they get to that point where they need care? And you know, this question has obvious implications for healthcare and other welfare systems back in the UK. So yeah, so overall it's actually, I think there's there's a lot of really key and crucial questions that need to be be answered. Wow, this is fascinating. You actually have written recently a policy and practice brief about care for all the British people in Spain. So how do they access care and support? Okay, so first of all, um, in relation to healthcare, uh, British state pensioners um, are currently entitled to free healthcare in Spain. Um, and this is to the same level as a Spanish national. So any incurred state healthcare costs are reimbursed by the UK government. This is underpinned by a reciprocal agreement that exists between EU countries. In relation again to sort of healthcare to so medical care, my interviewees have always talked, always spoke about medical care being excellent, you know, shorter waiting lists than the UK, so very positive responses to healthcare. But there are language barriers. People often need to take um, interpreters if they go to a doctor's appointment, go to a hospital appointment. And um, there's also cultural barriers when it comes to sort of health and care, which people are less aware of, like, for example, um, care in hospitals. So things like washing, feeding patients, which nurses in the UK would routinely do, is expected in Spain to be provided by the family. 
Also aftercare, so this is care at home when someone's discharged from hospital, is also expected to be provided by families in, in Spain. One of my interviewees spoke about how, you know, when you're in hospital, it's, it's lovely. Once you're out of hospital, you're very much on your own. Um, and that was a really common um, finding from my, my research. So there are some really significant differences when it comes to um, the care elements of, of health and care. And people often don't realise this until they actually get to that point where they need care. So once they, you know, they're discharged from hospital, they go home, they expect some care to be arranged. And it's not. And, and that's the point where they, where they often realise that. So Spanish social services um, does exist. It's based on residency. So um, British people who've lived in Spain for, for a few years can access the same um, level of Spanish social services as a Spanish national. There were also quite significant reforms to extend public care provision in 2007. And this was through what was known as the dependency law, or the ley de dependencia. However, then the economic crisis hit um, and in sort of 2008 onwards, this sort of reform to public care was very much cut back. Um, and this has led to sort of ongoing issues around, around care services in Spain with very limited care homes, care services in the home, things like district nursing, palliative care um, are not widely available at all in Spain. If people can access Spanish social services, there are still sort of language and cultural barriers there. So social workers, care workers don't normally speak any English and British people don't normally speak any Spanish. So actually, even if a Spanish carer was arranged, there would be no communication there. And again, my interviewee spoke about the potential problems with that. So actually, people were quite reluctant to go to Spanish social services. There is actually now a growing private care market that's kind of grown in, in response to this, this issue, and it's within the British community. So there are um, many British people who have set up sort of residential and home care services, particularly in areas like the Costa del Sol, where there are large numbers of older British people who need um, care and support. These services, of course, though, require people to pay because they're in, in the private sector and and, and that's not an option available to everybody. So how can all the British people in Spain afford these care services? Well, first of all, the British state pension is exportable to Spain um, and the vast majority of my interviewees had the state pension. Others had private pension, savings, property, and there were people who could afford to pay for these private care services. However, I would say that was the minority rather than the majority. There are many older British people in Spain, many of my interviewees who have a very low income, often just the British state pension, and they could not afford to pay for any care. They struggle to access any um, support from Spanish social services as well. Some people are able to access attendance allowance, which is exportable from the UK. This allowed some of my interviewees to pay for um, a small amount of care um, which they needed and um, for others to sort of buy equipment. So one of my interviewees explained that um, she used her attendance allowance to um, buy a wheelchair for her husband so that he could get out. You know, she could actually take him out, which beforehand they couldn't do. Um, and without the attendance allowance, they, they couldn't have afforded to do that. So it's sort of it's very mixed, diverse group of um, British people in Spain, if you're thinking about sort of 
you know what people can afford and there are a large number who who really can't can't afford mm. to pay for care so what happens if people cannot afford to pay for care what do they do then the british community in spain is quite strong so there are a lot of people will turn to their their friends usually their british friends um, and neighbors who do help out there's also a wide number of um, voluntary organizations in spain that have been set up by other British um, people, often British retirees. Some well-known examples include the Royal British Legion. I mean, these have branches around the world, but there are also um, local branches in Spain that older British people access. There's also sort of more kind of national local charities in Spain, again, within the British community. Um, examples include Age Concern España um, and also the Age Care Association. These organisations provide sort of social support like coffee mornings, outings. They also provide practical help, particularly for those who are on their own or who've been widowed. They provide things like you know shopping. They'll take someone shopping or pick up someone shopping for them and, and take it to their house. And um, they'll provide transport, often to sort of medical appointments because yeah, these are older people who can't use public transport, um, who don't have a car. And, and so would struggle otherwise to get to, to a hospital. Um, hospital visits, so people are on their own in hospital. Um, they have um, volunteers who will go to hospitals and visit people. And they also trans translation in, in medical appointments. So a range of different activities that they, they offer. These um, voluntary organisations also help people to organise the sort of more formal paid for care services. And actually what I found in um, my research was that these organisations even pay for care. And I've got an example of um, an interviewee who is a man who cares for his terminally ill wife um, and she has vascular dementia. They have a really low income. Um, they're actually living just on her state pension because he's not yet state pension age. He was working a little bit where he could um, but they were really struggling financially. He was struggling sort of emotionally and physically because he also had his own health problems. They couldn't afford any care. And he was in a situation where he really needed some help. He ended up speaking to um, a volunteer from one of these British organisations and they offered support, which was initially, you know, someone to talk to. A volunteer visited um, them at home, um, just, you know, support him and his wife. And they organised a hospital bed for the home as well, which, again, was something they really needed and weren't able to organise themselves. They also suggested a British care company. But the problem was he couldn't afford to pay for the care that they needed, but he couldn't afford to pay for any care at all. So the voluntary organisation at that point actually stepped in and ended up paying for 24 hour care at home um, until his wife died. I mean, he spoke about this voluntary organisation and said um, he just didn't know what he would do without the volunteers he was struggling beforehand and him and his wife really, really appreciated the support that they received. I mean, these, these charities are so important, but rely on donations, you know, charitable activities and, and the absolute dedication of volunteers, you know, who set these organisations up, who run them. You know, they support people to retain a quality of life in their old age and they're often supporting the most vulnerable members of the older British community in Spain. And they also prevent a lot of unwanted returns um, to the UK. So they really are important in the, in the lives of a lot of older British people who live in Spain. This is very, very interesting. You also mentioned that you explored uh, people's social support networks. 
Now, in most societies, informal care from family members provides the backbone of care provision for older people. But what happens when family members live in a different country? Um, so most of my interviewees um, had family back in the UK. They did stay in touch with them. They sort of, you know, they offered support as much as they were able to, you know, virtual support. So phone calls, WhatsApp, Skype, you know, they, they a lot of people stayed in often daily contact with their, usually their children back in the UK. Their children often offered practical help. So this included, you know, children paying for some care for their elderly mum or dad living in Spain. They also visited. I mean, visits kind of were both ways when, when my interviewees were younger. But as they became older, their ability to, to fly, to travel back to the UK became limited. So actually visits as people age became more one way with a sort of a reliance on family in the UK to visit them in Spain. What I did also find um, was that sort of face to face proximate care is very important. And this is something that's been kind of noted in, in research before as well. And actually, the importance of you know a family member being nearby was was quite was was as I say was really important. And as a result, some of my interviewees were planning to return to the UK to be close to their families in Spain. I mean, one of my interviewees, for example, was talking about building an annex to her daughter's house to return to when she was older. So whilst that wasn't imminent, she was able to return at that point where she might need additional care and support. I mean, there were also cases um, where the retiree brought their elderly parent to Spain. So um, an example was um, a lady I interviewed, aged 74. She'd moved to Spain many years before, had now retired, but planned to stay in Spain. And her mother had remained in the UK. But um, a few years ago, when her mother was 92, she needed, um, she needed more care, particularly res residential care. So having no other family in the UK, she decided to move her mother to a Spanish care home, a residencia, um, to be close by to her. Now, her mother, who is now 95 years old, actually has regretted moving to Spain. She finds it very difficult. She's living in a Spanish care home. Um, she doesn't speak any Spanish. She can't communicate with, with care staff or other residents whilst her daughter visits her every day that's the only social contact she gets and actually she's at a point where she really wants to return to the UK but because of her health you know, her health has declined since she's been in Spain it means she can no longer return um, and this was was a situation that I came across a few times so yeah so in, in relation to kind of family care and support whilst face-to-face -face support is is really important actually sometimes you know, moving an elderly parent to Spain, for example, isn't necessarily the right solution. I see. Now, there's a question we can't leave out when talking about British migrants in Spain. Has Brexit had any impact on those you spoke to? Yes, yeah, so Brexit has um, created an awful lot of anxiety for older British people in Spain. The main concern that my participants spoke about when I interviewed them was the ongoing access to healthcare. Um, but they also spoke about um, their concerns around the pension increments um, and also the exportability of welfare benefits um, like attendance allowance, for example, which many people were, were accessing. The withdrawal agreement has now secured these rights for those who are legally resident in Spain. So healthcare, pensions and other rights have been um, secured. 
And this is only for those who are legally resident in Spain by the end of the transition period. So therefore, anyone who is not legally registered resident by the end of the transition period may not have their ongoing access to healthcare and other welfare services secured. So people do need to register by the end of um, the transition period. We also don't know what the rights will be for people who are thinking of moving to Spain in the future, whether people will be able to migrate to Spain, whether they will still be able to access healthcare, etc. There's also been um, a decline in the value of the pound since um, the EU referendum, and this has negatively impacted on British pensioners in Spain because their income is, of course, primarily converted into euros. So many people are emotionally and financially worse off since Brexit, and there is still some ongoing uncertainties around what will happen after the transition period. So based on your research, what messages do you have for policymakers about all the British migrants who live in Spain? So Brexit could lead to some people um, in Spain who are not registered, being left with limited rights and therefore facing um, difficulties. These people may need additional help and support, so it's thinking through um, where that help and support can be provided. There could also be an increasing number of people returning from Spain and other EU countries after Brexit, after the transition period ends. And so government and local authorities in the UK should really prepare for possible increased demands um, in the UK on NHS, adult social care, housing and other welfare services. The other suggestion for policymakers I would have is around these British charities in Spain. So the British run voluntary sector you know, is so crucial in the lives of many older British people living in Spain. And there are growing numbers of many people who, who need their help and who are contacting them for support. These organisations receive no financial or other support from, you know, from the UK or from the Spanish government. And they're very much you know, dependent on, as I say, donations and just the goodwill of individuals who are running them. I think the government could look to work more closely with and support these charities, especially going forward as, as we depart the EU and the potential for additional support, you know, demand for additional support increases. I see. And finally, what advice would you give to those planning to retire to Spain? So retirement to migration to Spain um, is a positive move for many. The better climate can alleviate health problems and allow a more outdoor sociable lifestyle. Also, low living costs do allow a small income to go that bit further. But people really do need to think ahead. What will they do when they're older? If they have increasing health problems, can no longer drive? What will they do if a partner dies? Most people don't want to think about these scenarios and so are not prepared. So my advice is to make sure you know what your rights are. So what health care and other support services actually exist. Also learn some Spanish so that you can actually access some of these local services. Finally, and probably the most important thing to think about is to register when you move to Spain. This includes with the local town hall or on the Padron. Um, this will mean you can access public services, including Spanish social services and care services. If you're not registered, you're not even entitled to apply for any support. I think this is even more important in the context of Brexit um, and also coronavirus 
both of which, of course, have made life in Spain more uncertain going forward. I think policymakers can help people plan ahead by providing information on planning future care needs to older British people who are already living in or who are thinking about moving to Spain. Now, I don't want to end on a negative. So what I would say um, is that most of the older people that I've spoken to in Spain have spoken very positively about their lives in Spain. And actually, most people don't want to return. They have good networks. They have good friends um, in Spain um, and they're very happy there. But those who have planned ahead and who are registered are really in the best position as they age or if they encounter a crisis. Well, that's a great note to finish this interview on. So, Kelly, thank you very much for taking part in our Care Matters series. It's been my pleasure to learn a little more about your work and your continuing contribution to the fields of ageing and migration. Thanks, Magda.